Welcome to the Mindful Fire Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast. My dad will be so grateful. See you next time on the Mindful Fire Podcast. Welcome to the Mindful Fire Podcast a show about crafting a life you love and making work optional using the tools of mindfulness, envisioning, and financial independence. I'm your host, Adam Cuello, and I'm so glad you're here. Each episode of the Mindful Fire podcast explores these three tools through teachings, guided meditations, and inspiring interviews with people actually living them to craft a life they love. At its core, Mindful Fire is about creating more awareness and choice in your life. Mindfulness helps you develop self-awareness to know yourself better and what's most important to you by practicing a kind, curious awareness. Envisioning is all about choosing to think big about your life and putting the power of your predicting brain to work to create the life you dream of. And financial independence brings awareness and choice to your financial life, empowering you to make your vision a reality by getting your money sorted out and ultimately making work optional. And here's the best part. You don't have to wait until you reach financial independence to live out your vision. Mindful Fire is about using these tools to craft that life now on the path to financial independence and beyond. If you're ready to start your Mindful Fire journey, go to mindfulfire.org slash start and download my free envisioning guide. In just 10 minutes, this guide will help you craft a clear and inspiring vision for your life. Again, you can download it for free at mindfulfire.org slash start. Let's jump into today's episode. David, welcome back to the Mindful Fire podcast. Thanks again for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited about part three of today's conversation. So for the audience, this is David's third appearance on the podcast. He joined me on two previous conversations related to the sabbatical that I just took. And as a reminder, I took three months off of work and David joined me on my last day of work back in February, about halfway through. And this third conversation we're having to kind of capture my thinking and what was going on at the various stages of this sabbatical that I took from work. And so with that, David, it's great to have you back. Yeah, thank you. No, as you mentioned, it was interesting to hear your thoughts going into your three months ahead. And then we got to catch up about halfway through. And it was interesting just how you mentioned some things were different than you expected. And and this is nice. We got to chat about, okay, three months are up. So love to hear. We can chat more about what you're thinking going forward. But let's first start with like, how did you spend your last month or so in terms of your time? Yeah. So it's crazy to think that it's already been three months. As we're recording this, I'm I'm on day five being back at work after not working for three months. And so Monday coming back was like pretty, it was a big mindset shift. Honestly, I was not in a great mood. I was not in a great mood because I was just like, oh man, that was so great. And now I have to come back. But that was just me adjusting to the reality and making up a story in my mind that it was like going to be so difficult and whatnot. Honestly, it felt a lot like the sabbatical this week because I'm just getting back into it. And it was, yeah, it hasn't ramped up 
just yet. So that was nice to ease into it. And I didn't have to go to the office. So next week will be my first time going to the office really since the pandemic started. So that'll be interesting. And I'm a little bit worried about that as well. Since you brought up this first week, did you prepare for Monday at all? Did you do your meditation before the morning or did you do anything different or did you just log in and start working on emails? Yeah, I, I just logged in and started working on emails. I don't think my meditation has not been as regular like this last week or two as I would have liked. My parents were in town visiting. Carter was sick as well. And so it was just like tough to make the time. And I haven't had it as like a consistent this that's tied to something in my day. And so it was just like whenever I could make the time for it and realize that I need it. That was one of the big lessons of this time off was, oh, yeah, that's really helpful to have that foundation of mindfulness as I go about my day. And it just makes everything easier. And so this week, I didn't really have that so much. I just had a lot going on. So I just jumped into it and got into my emails. And the nice thing is when you take three months off, the emails really slow down. People forget you exist, which is great, in my opinion. Not everybody feels that way, but I I like to let the work find me. Yeah, no, I took time off for parental leave a little over a year ago. And it was the same thing where for a while, you're still getting emails and you're still CC'd on threads, but eventually you just start getting dropped off of threads. You're right. The emails slow down, generally speaking, as the time yeah. goes on. That being said, you still get set plenty of product updates, regular updates, et cetera, with all the... I declared bankruptcy. Anything earlier than May 1st, I just archived. I archived it all. I looked at anything recent. And I had been checking every once in a while just to see I'd go in for a reason. Mostly I was trying to, we're trying to find a nanny. And so I'd go on care.com and have to go on my work computer for that. And I'd see once in a while when there was nothing coming in. So I thought it was pretty safe to just declare bankruptcy and start over. And turns out that's what my manager suggested anyways. So that worked out well. Perfect. So going back to earlier, yeah, tell us about your last month since we last spoke, and then I'd love to hear what you did, but also any kind of lessons that you took away from the experience and time off. Sure. Yeah. So let's start with setting this stage again. As we talked about at the beginning, our first conversation at the start of the sabbatical, it was my mindset and approach, like how my, I should say my intention for the sabbatical was to rest, play, and connect. Those were the three words that I wanted to use to guide my sabbatical. And it turns out that having that simple like three word intention was really helpful because I could put everything through the lens of that, right? I could look at it through that filter and see, am I focused on this or am I letting other things get in the mix? And I thought at the beginning that I would rest for just like the first month. Right. I figured, okay, I'll rest for the first month because I knew that it was going to be difficult for me to actually practice rest and prioritize rest. And one of the things I learned about myself throughout this process is I am like addicted to achievement. Like I am constantly striving and feeling like I should be doing more and just hustling like constantly. And even when I'm like relaxing, relaxing for me is like working on the podcast, right? Or like a creative pursuit. But all of that is still work. And this was really a big, a big focus for me. And we can talk more about that and go into more detail there. But rest, play and connect were really the lens through which I approached this. And it turned out that halfway through, and I think we talked about this last time, I was really starting to feel like the pull to like, okay, you've rested. Now, 
What are you going to do? What are you going to have to show for this at the end of this time? You need to start moving. You need to start getting back into the podcast, doing these things. And I really had to stop and take a step back and say, I, yeah, I want to, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this urge to get, go and be productive and do things. But at the same time, I still really feel like I need rest. I still feel like that needs to be a part of this. And so I realized where I came to the realization that if I, if at the end of this time off, I have nothing to show for it, that's totally okay. And realizing that was, uh, it was very freeing. It allowed me to just release the grasp I had on like this idea that I needed something to show for it. I needed to have something productive, right? Cause I said, I would, I thought I would have the beginning be rest and then get back into like hustling, right? Focus on growing the podcast to do all these things, update my LinkedIn, focus on like setting the foundation for like future potential, like workshop and facilitation of mindfulness programs and envisioning programs and things like that. And I just felt like, okay, I don't need to push so hard on that. So getting back to how did I spend the last month of the sabbatical, I still very much wanted to rest, but I also took a look at the podcast, right? I had set the podcast aside at the beginning and I said, look, I'm not going to focus on this. I'm going to really focus on rest. I'm going to set this aside and pick it up again in whenever I feel like it. And I just let it go for a while. And in the last month, I started saying, okay, I want to, I want to think more about this. I want to get back into this. But then I realized in my mind, getting back into it meant getting back into editing the 10 plus episodes I've already recorded. And so that brought me to, that led me to think, why am I even doing this in the first place? I think it's really helpful for me to always come back to my why, right? Why am I doing the podcast? And there's a lot of reasons you could do a podcast to grow a large audience, to get sponsors and make money with it and all of that. But I really took a step back and asked myself, why am I doing this podcast in the first place? And what I came to was I'm doing it first and foremost to connect with others. The podcast gives me a reason to reach out to people I admire or that I want to connect with and build a relationship with. And it's been really awesome to do that, right? It turns out most people will say yes if you invite them on a podcast, even if they've never been on a podcast. And so that is the primary reason to build relationships with people that I admire and want to become friends with. The second reason is to build up my thought leadership in the spaces of mindfulness and financial independence. And turns out that I've already been doing that and that's what I want to continue doing. And so with those two things in, in mind, it's like, okay, what I really enjoy about the podcast is the first part, connecting with people. And so that's the recording of the episodes. And I did actually record, even though I set aside the podcast in large part during the whole sabbatical, I did record two episodes during the sabbatical and I really enjoyed that. So I had that in my mind of like, oh yeah, I really like that. But it's the editing and the preparation of like getting the episode out there that takes so long and is so cumbersome. And I thought, okay, how do I get away from that and just focus on the parts that I like? So I realized that what I like about doing the podcast is, and what is actually in line with my goals of the podcast is recording the interviews and connecting with people in that way. And what I am not as fond of is doing the editing and the post-production, which takes a ton of time 
and is really important because the episodes sound so much better when you edit them. And, but I needed to like hire an editor. And I've tried this in the past and it's been really difficult because it takes a lot of effort to give the people instructions and then working with them to make sure it's done well. And I tried a couple and it didn't really work out and it was very discouraging. But I did find this one guy who his name's Chinomso and he's out of Nigeria and he's been awesome to work with. And so he's edited two for me so far, including the latest episode with Narav. And I still have to go through it and stuff and figure out how I want it to ultimately sound and flow and all of that. But it makes such a difference. And really looking forward, another thing to announce on the podcast I haven't mentioned is that my wife is pregnant with our second baby. And so I'm not going to have a lot of time to do editing, right? So I need to front load this a little bit and get some help to do this and build out processes so that it's scalable. And so that was all to say that in the last month of the sabbatical, I was still resting. I was still, I wasn't thinking about preparing for coming back. I was, some people were like, oh, how are you thinking about coming back and preparing? It's like, no, I just, I'm, when I get back, that's when I'll start preparing to get back. There's no need to spend my sabbatical thinking about work, right? So I just rested and I continued to playing, rest, playing, connect. But I also started working again on the podcast and preparing episodes to come out and things like that. For sure. Something I just thought about when you're talking, we've been talking a lot about your time off and rest and play and the feelings of being productive. And then you referenced a second ago about this podcast being about both mindfulness and then the personal finance. And I don't think we really talked about that in terms of your time off. So I think one thing that stood out for me a minute ago is when you said you haven't meditated recently. would love to hear your thoughts on why that might be. One, one reason people don't hate is because they feel like they don't have time. But during the last three months, you potentially had all the time in the world. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on if you have more time, how did that impact your mindfulness or meditation practices? Or was it that your stress level has dropped due to not having to work and so you didn't really need to do mindfulness or meditation as often? And then part two, since you also talk about personal finances, did your spending go up? But one of the things is when you're working, you're generally working all day and you're not spending money. But when you have time off, you're potentially out and about entertainment or buying lunch or whatever it might be. Love to hear for your time off how you thought about both your mindfulness practice as well as if your finance changed at all. That's a good question. So with regards to the meditation and mindfulness, it's not that I wasn't meditating at all. It's just that I wasn't doing it daily. And I wasn't doing it regularly for periods of time throughout, right? In the middle of it, when I started feeling like, oh man, my time's running out. I need to be doing more productive work. I was also struggling with my three-year-old just being difficult and him and I amping each other up, so to speak. Like I was reacting to his frustration and he was reacting to mine and it was just ratcheting things up. And I really found not showing up in the way that I would like to show up, just not patient, not as understanding and kind as I would like to be. When I took a step back and was like, wow, what's going on? And I feel like those things all are intertwined, right? When I'm frustrated or distracted, then I'm not as patient and I'm a little bit more short with him. And that his reaction then makes me more frustrated, which makes me then more worried about the time running out and how I'm spending my time. And it's just like a vicious cycle. And so I realized, like, I need to, I need this meditation, right? I need to get back 
to the cushion and make that a regular foundational this for myself. And, and of course, I've known this and I every once in a while when I become a little bit less regular with it, I notice the effect on my patience and my kindness and my just overall mood. When I realized that, I started to really correct it. I got back to a regular practice. And when I say I wasn't meditating, it's like I was still holding space for the Mindful Fire community meditations. I was still doing that and leading it for my inner MBA community and things like that. But I didn't have the regular practice myself every day. And so the more I realized that, the more I brought that back in. And then another thing that helped was listening to my conversation at the beginning of the sabbatical. I recorded one with you and with my friend, Julia Lee, who's been on the podcast a number of times. And she suggested that I do a gratitude journal and just write every day, write three things about today that I'm grateful for and three things about my life in general that I'm grateful for. And I really made that a habit, tied it to putting my son to sleep. So I'd put him to sleep and then I'd go and sit and do that simple journaling of those things, of that gratitude practice. And that started to improve my mood as well. And so though that plus the meditation, getting back to that, really helped me get a little bit better. Yeah, so that's the, the mindfulness side of things, the meditation and mindfulness side of things. There were periods of time where I wasn't meditating as often as I'd like, and I would realize that and start meditating a little bit more and carving out the time. And it was always useful when I did. And I noticed the effect on my interactions with Carter. Now, the personal finance side, it's hard to say. I didn't track it specifically, but I would say that I don't feel like I was spending more money necessarily. It is interesting that there were times where we did eat out a little bit more than we would otherwise. But I think it's just while I had more time because I wasn't working, like it wasn't all that different from when I was working because I was working from home and watching Carter more or less full time. I was working and parenting full time throughout the whole pandemic. So either way, the only time that was open was really when he's sleeping when he's at school three mornings a week or after he goes to bed at night, which is also sleeping. So it wasn't like I had like unlimited time to just do whatever I wanted. So there was definitely, I would have liked to spend more time cooking and preparing food and things like that. In reality, like it was the same. And so sometimes we would order takeout and stuff and that adds up for sure. But I don't think I was like buying things unnecessarily. Although I did buy an Oculus. <laughs> so that was a big expense. But that would that fell into the play query. And uh, truth be told, I bought it at Costco, so I might return it anyways. <laughs> so Yeah, what I find interesting is you did have more time in the day because you're not working yet. It was you still had, it was still difficult to find time to have a regular meditation practice. It was still hard to find time to cook dinner. That's why you ordered takeout. So I think that's just an interesting thing that you've talked about in the past is well, when I finally have time, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then I think this is like case in point that even when you do have time, it's still difficult to make a practice of meditating or exercising or cooking dinner. It's just because you do have more time, that time often gets filled and doesn't mean that you're going to really prioritize the stuff you think you might today. Totally. It's funny because my father-in-law has said, that his life as being retired is totally full. He has no idea how he ever fit in the time to work. And I've heard other people say that, that once they retire, it's like things just fill up your time. 
And I've had this experience when I went on vacation before as well. It's like I should have unlimited time. Even before I had Carter, we'd go on vacation and I would just not meditate. Even though I was like in a beautiful place with all the time in the world, I think it's with your routine. It's so important. Like the gratitude thing, I would just go and do it. Like right after I'd leave his room, I'd go to my bathroom where I'd sit on a like a bench and write the notebook and pen were sitting right there. And the nights where I like ran out of ink and I had to go get another pen and the pen wasn't there, I just didn't do it. So it's so fickle. And so when I go to like a new place on vacation, it just falls out, gets away from me. And I think that's what's been really challenging, even since before the sabbatical, even having just having a kid, the schedule is a little bit more dependent on the kid rather than of my choosing. So for sure. So I guess I have to ask now that you're reflecting back on your experience, if you were to do it again, would you do anything differently? Do you wish you spent the time differently at all in the past few months or? No, not really. Part of me, the achieving part of me is I could have used this time to do all these things and focus on the podcast and grow the podcast and you know, update my LinkedIn or look for new job opportunities and things like that. And the urge for all of those things came up a million times. As I talked to our friend Aram, who went to work at another company and I was talking him with him throughout, he was also on a leave and ended up leaving the company. Part of me is like, oh, should I be doing that? Should I be looking for a new job? But no, like one big lesson and realization I had as I was reflecting for this conversation was really, it gets back to something Julia told me on our first conversation. And it was, this sabbatical is a gift that I'm giving to myself. It's a gift I'm giving to myself and nothing is required in return for that gift. I don't need to prove anything or have anything to show for it. All I need to do is receive the gift that I've given to myself. And that is really powerful. I think it's really powerful to take that to heart and release all of that striving that always wants to creep up for me. And no, I would probably just keep it the same. Because even in the difficult times, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. There were a lot of very difficult days. It seems that my son Carter turned into a three-nager, as they call it. I've heard of the terrible twos, and then all of a sudden he turns three, and people are like, oh, there's three-nager. And I was like, oh, God, are you kidding me? And it turns out, it seems like he became a three-nager as soon as I went on leave. And so what that means is just a lot of attitude. He's very smart. So he's like negotiating all the time and he's got nothing else on the agenda. So he can just wait it out and he wins all the time. And it, but even in those difficult times, it's like when I'm like a couple days out from it and I'm looking back, it's wow, like there's there are lessons in that. There are lessons in those difficult moments and how I react and how I can improve. Essentially, what that those situations are telling me is you need to work on some new strategies right? Your, your old strategies of threats, of empty threats and bribes, not working anymore. And so that was the realization is e even in the difficult times, like there are things that I've learned about myself and about my relationship with him. And so those are valuable as well. And then just taking all that time to rest and really let go of that striving and that realization that I don't need anything to show for it that I just need to receive this time as a gift and enjoy it and let my, what I'm curious about, what I'm feeling, let that guide me. That was very freeing, right? Because every time it'd come up, the feeling of you should be doing X, Y, Z, you should be 
hustling on the podcast. You should be doing all these things. So no, that's okay. I don't need that. And I feel like that has stuck with me. And it's just, uh, it's like, uh, it takes, it's like a weight off. Just, okay, I don't need to do that. Because I'd spend most of, as I said, the time that I have free time was the same before the sabbatical and during the sabbatical when he's sleeping, basically. And so I'd spend a lot of my free time hustling on the podcast, editing it, getting it out, doing all the social media stuff. And that's exhausting. And so having, not having that and just being like, no, nah, I don't feel like doing that was really great because the reality is no one's forcing me to do any of this stuff. And so if I don't feel like doing it, I don't need to do it. And I feel like I see this all the time. Like I've been going on LinkedIn probably more than I need to, but everyone's just hustling so much and working so hard. It's just, let's enjoy. Let's just relax. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, I think it's it's interesting. I just said you, you go on LinkedIn and everyone's hustling and it definitely makes you feel a certain way. Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. There's a lot of people who have removed Facebook and Instagram and these apps from their phone for those similar reasons, I think. So I'd love to hear, did your social media consumption change during your time off? And if so, if I guess if checking that app, these apps makes you feel like guilty at all, or like you should be hustling, should you try to check them less? Or I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. There were definitely periods of time where I was like, what am I doing? I'm like looking at this stuff too much. I was completely off social media. I guess I was on LinkedIn, but I wasn't really checking it. But I was like starting the beginning of 2018 until I started the podcast in 2020. I was completely off of social media, was not on Facebook, was not on Instagram at all. And that was great. I really enjoyed that. When I started the podcast, turns out you got to tell people about the podcast if you want them to listen to it, unfortunately. And so that means going on there. But it's so sticky. Once you get in there, like it's, it's designed to be addictive. And so it it worked, right? So I was spending a bunch of time. So what I did is, and I don't know if I did this before the sabbatical or during the sabbatical, but I took the apps off my phone. Like I just, and now I do it through the browser and the browser is much worse. It's not a good experience. And so that helps me spend less time on it. And then I also put a timer. I think I have five minutes on Facebook, 20 minutes on Instagram and LinkedIn, something as well. But another thing that I realized is with regards to that is like, I feel worse. I feel more impatient and I'm more impatient with Carter when I look at my phone because he feels it and he wants attention. So he start, starts acting up and then I start reacting to him and then I'm like, interrupted. So what I found to be really helpful in the morning when I go in and get him, he's also been waking up really early at 6 a.m., which I know is normal for a lot of baby kids. But for him, he was like waking up at like eight for a long time. So we were very blessed. When I go in with him in the morning, I leave my phone on airplane mode or I don't bring it. And that makes such a difference in how I feel and how we interact. And just for a while, I just leave it off. And the, and I want to do that more. I just want to leave my phone behind more often because it's so easy. If it's right there, you're just looking at it. So anyways. Yeah, I hear you. Yes, yeah, so I guess the last question I have is the company gave you this time off ideally to rest and recharge, prevent burnout, and then come back, hopefully feeling like refreshed. So I'd love to hear like, how do you feel refreshed coming back to work? Are you in a better headspace now than three months ago? And so yeah, does that, that change the way you view your job at all? Yeah, I do feel refreshed, right? I think there's so much benefit from me taking this time to create space in my life, to just put aside the work, my day job at Google, putting aside my side hustling and all of that 
and resting and taking that break, I do feel like that is great. And I feel like I'm coming back to work and it's I'm treating it like a new job. And that's unique to my situation because I had a reorg just before. So I never really fully got into the new team and org and the job is different. And so I'm trying to approach this as, let me just treat this like a new job, try to approach it fresh and not get caught up in, oh, I'm still doing this. And it's all the same stuff I've been doing for so long. So let me approach this fresh. And so like I'm meeting a bunch of people next week that do my job and just going to pick their brain. What is it that you do in this role, in this team and what works and what doesn't work? And I think that might reinvigorate it a little bit. And then also I had this thought yesterday about treating Google as like my biggest client, right? Thinking about myself as like a business of sort, like I have various aspects of my life and businesses in my life, like the podcast, for instance, and the workshop business, another example. Just look at Google as my biggest client and really, how do I want to approach it? How do I want it to work for me? And I I don't know. I don't know how that's going to pan out, but friends, like I blocked my calendar Like I have to commute three days a week and I'm going to try to make that too. But people are putting things time on my calendar for 10 a.m. I'm not going to be rushing to the office. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I have to take a boat to a train and I have to drive to the boat and get to the office from the train. So like, I'm not going to be setting myself up to be rushing. That was a big thing that I wanted at the beginning. Julie asked me how I want to feel and I want to feel unrushed on the sabbatical. And so for this new chapter of my work. I don't want to be rushing. I don't want to be just like grinding. I want to like treat this as I'm in control of it. I want to design my schedule. When I go in, I want to meet with people. I just want to be a little bit more thoughtful and intentional about how I think about work. So that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we're all figuring that out with the hybrid work schedule. And to your point, if you're working home two days a week, you can take earlier meetings. If you're commuting, three days a week, maybe later meetings, but to your point, and also trying to free up some of your calendar on those days you go in so you can actually spend time with people as opposed to just sitting in meetings around video conferences all day, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that I'm not doing that, hopefully, because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, why am I going to the office for a video conference with someone who's not in the office? It makes exactly. no sense. Adam, we're almost at time. I guess I'd just say any last thoughts or words from you, or I guess otherwise, what's next coming up for the podcast? Yeah. One thing I'll say is there were a bunch of lessons that I took from this time off. And one thing that I didn't mention here, but I'll give a quick overview is about the Camp Woodward. One big realization, and this is something that I knew before, but that this sabbatical has just really taken it to another level of my understanding of it is just how powerful the practice of envisioning is been a big fan of envisioning for a long time. I've talked about it a million times on the podcast. I've created a workshop about it at Google. But during the the sabbatical itself was a result of envisioning. We talked about this in our first conversation. Back in 2019, I wanted to take a sabbatical. I was feeling burnt out. I was feeling I needed to take a break. And it didn't happen in 2019 because I ended up getting something that turned out was envisioned as well, a three-month rotation in Portugal, which was amazing, but wasn't exactly a a sabbatical. And just having that in my mind and knowing that I wanted it and it coming up again and again allowed me to see a path and an opportunity when it presented itself to make the sabbatical reality. So for instance, in my example, uh, with regards to my sabbatical, 
seeing that I was going through a reorg and I was going to be on an entirely new team and have a new manager and a new everything, it was a time where it's like, okay, I'm feeling this. This is the time to have the conversation. And and then it just happened. And I envisioned wanting to have a, a take a paid sabbatical, which is not an option at Google. And I made it happen. It's just having that in my mind, entertaining it as a reality, even if I didn't know how it was going to happen, was a powerful practice and step to making it a reality. Ultimately, I used a lot of vacation and I used carer's leave, a benefit that Google had for taking care of your family during the pandemic that was about to run out. And I was able to make that my paid sabbatical. And so that's one thing, right? The sabbatical itself was a result of me practicing envisioning. And then another example of of envisioning that happened during the sabbatical was at the start of the year, one of the things that I wanted to do was bring my envisioning workshop to an external company to lead my first paid workshop outside of Google. I've led many workshops inside of Google, search inside yourself, envisioning, mindfulness, all that stuff for thousands of Googlers. And I wanted to try to bring it outside. And I also had been planting the seeds for a relationship with this company, this Camp Woodward, which is an extreme sports camp in Pennsylvania that I attended as like a 14-year-old. And it's like crazy to think and reflect on how way, way back when I was like 14, these things that I dreamed of doing, like designing and building my own house and having my own Camp Woodward camp, like how those are coming back up and how during the sabbatical, I built on the momentum of those seeds that I had planted uh, of getting in touch with the camp, building a relationship with the director of health and wellness. And long story short, I was able to lead a paid workshop at the camp for the leadership of the camp and was able to go there, lead this workshop, had a great time, and even was able to skate in the skate parks that they have, which was a big goal of mine. And so it was really cool to see how this, what seemed like a long shot, a long shot idea of, oh, I could teach mindfulness there. That's not something that camps usually do. They just have what they do. They have a summer camp, but I was able to make this happen. And it was like such a cool full circle moment, especially as I was like there reflecting on my time as a camper there and talking about an experience I had when I was at camp. And so I'll probably talk about this in more detail another time, but it was such a, such a great example of how powerful envisioning really is. No, it's a great story to to end on. So with that, Adam, thanks for having me on the podcast. This was fun. Glad you had a really enjoyed your time off and have some great lessons to share with the audience. And otherwise, yeah, looking forward to seeing what comes out next with a podcast and best of luck returning to work and all of that. And Thanks for the time. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the show and getting me thinking about these things. Definitely, I went into the sabbatical with more intention because of these conversations. And I reflected more on this time off because we would be having this conversation. So I appreciate all of that. For sure. All right. I'll catch you next time, man. Thank you. Thanks again. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of the Mindful Fire podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this. This just lets the platforms know you're getting value from the episodes and you want to be here when I release additional content. If you're ready to start your Mindful Fire journey, go to mindfulfire.org start. 
and download my free envisioning guide. In just 10 minutes, this guide will help you craft a clear and inspiring vision for your life. Again, you can download it for free at mindfulfire.org start. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next time on the Mindful Fire podcast. Mm-hmm.